it released on March 29, 2011. It was directed by Eric Parsons and written and designed by J.D. Straw, along with the rest of the Telltale team. I'm of course talking about Back to the Future of the Game, Episode 3, Citizen Brown. Hello! I'm your host, Mitchell Farley. I messed up my own name. Everything else went so well. <laughs> I can, you messed okay, up the one maybe part. Maybe I should I... just stop messing around with these intros. You, you messed up the one part I thought you couldn't possibly mess up. But I guess that's good, because you got the rest down perfectly. Yeah, well... Damn, I'm not, like, happy about that, though. Well, okay. <laughs> Hi, my name is Mitchell Farley-Wolf. I'm here with Dustin Jackson. Hey, Dustin. Hello, Mitch. Hello, Citizen Mitch. Uh, this is the Telling the Tale podcast, where we're going to go through each and every one of Telltale Games' individual episodic game releases that they put out through their lifetime. Boy, howdy, do we have an interesting one for you to uh, today. First off... I think it's worth noting, before we even jump into the episode proper, um, we are the only Telltale podcast I know about. Yeah, I think. I, I To be honest, I haven't looked up if there's any other ones. Yeah, I, I don't want the news that there are. but <laughs> <laughs> If there are other Telltale podcasts, keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. I don't need that stress in my life. I don't want to compete <laughs> with someone. But if we are... The only Telltale podcast. It's possible, if not probable, someone's going to come to hear discussion on what happened at the Game Awards. Oh, that's yeah, right. Dustin, we, got, we got a little bit of news. Do you want to talk about that? Um, I'll let you. You probably remember all the details better than I do. I was I don't too. Think there in, are too, too many details, shock. but. <laughs> Well, two things happened that were related to Telltale. One of them was that some uh, ex-Telltale developers got together with a new studio, Tale as old as time at this point, and are making a Star Trek game that very much looks like it's going to play in the style of the Walking Dead forward Telltale games. Right. Um, That's cool, and I'm excited for it. I'm not a big Star Trek guy, but also... um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that these developers are continuing to get work and to do things that are uh, like this. They, they seem to enjoy doing it. Right, and their talent shouldn't go to wa- go to waste. I will say that being that it is technically not Telltale, we don't have an obligation to cover it with an episode on the podcast. Although, maybe, I don't know, if, uh, if we finish everything else, then maybe we'll get to it. Here's... Here's the, the the bigger piece of news for us. <laughs> Telltale Games themselves, the company called Telltale Games, has announced that in addition to The Wolf Among Us Part 2, they're working on another new game. Another new episodic five-part adventure narrative game. Wow. Based on The Expanse which is a science fiction uh, book series and television show by James S.A. Corey about about outer space. Wow, the outer space himself? The outer space. I, I looked up The Expanse. I gotta be honest, I had not heard about it at all before this news. Me neither. Um, our friend and listener of the show, Milo said that they uh, recalled hearing some other podcasts talk about the show and they seemed to like it. Um, 
That is literally the only word of mouth I've heard in my yeah, life. I had <laughs> never even heard about this before now. Yeah. Uh, I, I looked it up a little bit. I, I caught some plot details. It's about like um, societies of people based on Earth, on Mars, and in the asteroid belt sort of cooperating and living together. And that seems pretty cool. But I don't know much about it other than the main character of the game, Telltale's Expanse, uh, is going to be played by the actress who portrays her in the show, and that seems to be a popular character in the show. That's so that's cool. pretty cool. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, <laughs> it, you can probably tell, listener, that we're we're floundering a little bit to know what to say <laughs> about this. Yeah, neither um, of us really know much. Yeah, I. Uh, in addition to not knowing that the game or the the, the game's origin series even existed. Um, I, I was pretty certain, I would have bet money on it, that Telltale Games was absolutely not working on more than one game. Yeah, isn't that weird to think about? Like, they come back as a much smaller crew, mainly to just publish, get their old titles back up, and now we're getting two games from them? Yeah. That's yeah. weird. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say mainly to get their old titles back up because they've been working on The Wolf Among Us Part 2 for a very long time now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the bulk of what they are doing. But, yeah, so there's this other game too. Something that they were criticized for late in the uh, in, in, in their lifetime was that they were working on so many different games at once that none of them got room to breathe. None of them could, uh, you know, take their own time to shine in the spotlight and get some good press on them before just moving on to the next thing in addition to causing more crunch at the studio because they were working it on so many things at once mm-hmm. and now they're immediately working on two things at once uh, yeah i w- i wonder well the wolf among us too was announced like a while back right like a how how long back was it announced? Like a couple years? The Wolf years? Among Us Part 2 has been in development for at least two years. Okay, so maybe this is kind of a similar thing where they just announced it like really early and we we might not even see it for a while, which is still a weird thing to do. I don't necessarily think that's a great way to go about it either, but maybe it will have the room to breathe a little bit. Possibly. Uh, I, something I know about the show, because of some very brief research sessions that I, I embarked upon, is that it is entering its final season. And Ooh. the first episode of its final season came out the day after the Game Awards. Oh, shit. What yes. timing? Yeah, so it, it, it seems like this the announcement of this game was actually very... If you are in the know, this seems like, oh, yeah, of course. This is the time for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it certainly didn't seem that way uh, to <laughs> us. Still, that's that's a cool thing. And I think that we can confirm if it comes out while we are still doing this podcast, we will do it for the podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to say I was particularly elated when we saw the trailer and saw it was Telltale Games, uh, but I, I don't, I'm not like dreading it like I am CSI. It, it was just kind of a weird feeling of, oh, that's, that's another obligation to throw onto the plate. 
I, I was kind of excited, but I was more excited at first when I saw the trailer and I saw Telltale Games, and I thought, oh, Wolf Among Us 2 is in space? That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a very big departure what a, what a what big change <laughs> yeah yeah and then it just turns out we haven't even heard anything about wolf among us 2 in a long time i hope it's doing well uh yeah so they put out a press release on their website uh talking about the expanse just after the game awards mm-hmm. and they were talking about uh so why no wolf among us 2 news and they said, well, it's just not time yet, but there will be some news about the game very early next year. Okay. Well, that's so, good to hear. Yeah, that is good to hear. Um, I uh, I have high hopes for the game, uh, for both of the games. I really hope that this uh, new Telltale can can live up to old Telltale, if not yeah. exceed it. I'd be, I'd be down to see him kind of make a resurgence. Yeah, I I would be excited about that. Um, so that's that's that. Um, that that means that with Wolf Among Us Part Two and the Expanse, that's ten more episodes on top of the one hundred forty that we're going to do anyways, making a nice even one fifty. That's not bad. That's not bad, right? It is more than it was. <laughs> it's more, but it's a nice it's a nice non weird number. Yeah, and maybe by that's like that Pokemon. Time, yeah, maybe that by that time we're only doing like one episode of this podcast every month because <laughs> we're doing uh, as them as the games come out. Uh, don't get my hopes up. Wouldn't that be something to look forward to? I that <laughs> barely kinda... talking to each other. <laughs> oh, we only have to talk to each other once a month. I'm salivating. <laughs> um, uh, Although yeah. are they are they still gonna do them like episodic? For some reason, my understanding was Wolf Among Us two. They were just gonna drop them all at once. No, but I guess they I are don't still know why. doing them episodic. Okay, I don't know why I thought they were gonna go down that route. Well, they're developing them all at once, which is different than how they did. Before. Okay, so they're making them all at once, but they're still gonna be releasing them one at a time. Yeah, this is a response to a, a a labor problem that they identified within the old Telltale which was that they would put out the first episode of something as soon as it was done and then they they'd be put on the fast track to have to put out all the other episodes really quickly even mm-hmm. if they weren't started yet. Yeah, um, I I think this is definitely a change for the better both for that and um so I remember when The Walking Dead season 2 was going um I forget who it was who said it but they mentioned something about um, they would write the episodes around the players' choices they make and, like, the popular choices. And I don't love that. I, yeah. I I think I would much rather see them get a nice, solid story and stick with it that way. Even if it's something like this, even if it's, like, you know, your choices affect the gameplay, I want to see what their vision is unaffected by stats, by player stats and stuff. In addition to that, doesn't it make you kind of feel bad if you are a person who picked a minority choice? Yeah. And then the next episode is built around something you didn't do. Yeah. Like, I specifically remember someone... Maybe I'm making this up (laughs) now that I think about it. But I specifically remember someone saying, like, in an interview or something, that um, 
in The Walking Dead Season 2, I believe, they specifically killed off a character because people didn't like them. And I liked hmm. that character, but now that I th- say that out loud and think about it, that does not sound like a good call to make. <laughs> so well, <laughs> I, I wonder what how much truth there is to it. This was like well, years they, they ago. Were, so. They were famously making bad calls at that time. That's true. So it so. would be in line with them around that time. So yeah, I, I think this the way they do it like this is for the better. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think the idea of um like not having episodes four or five when you release episode one even close to being done at that time is super risky. I, I understand yeah. that like Remember the, what happened the with the last between... season of The Walking Dead. Well yeah. <laughs> but the distance between episode one and episode three is or or episode four is like three months so you do have three months to do it and that's a lot of time you you can get a lot done in three months but you can't guarantee anything yeah uh yeah i mean i i also don't think that they should just be doing nothing between the months and, and keep the the gap between them artificially uh produced in order to just space out the release i also think that's a little weird but it's probably preferable to the alternative yeah i mean i i think that's fine because it gives you something to look forward to and doesn't necessarily affect the development of said game and story i i feel like if you're if you're relying on the feedback and the and the choices players make that can really shake up a story in a negative way and I know a lot of people did not really care for season two of The Walking Dead. So, hmm. yeah, I, I just think uh, this sh- hopefully works out better for them. Uh, additionally, before we start on this week's episode, we were made aware of a Flash game. that, <laughs> And was that's produced... the end of that sentence. We were made of, aware of a Flash game. You hear about these? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was produced to uh, release alongside Back to the Future, the game, called Back to the Future Blitz Through Time. It was made by Mediatonic, who would later make Fall Guys. Whoa, I didn't know that. Uh, and produced by Telltale. And put on, you know, like all the Facebook... It was on Facebook, it was on some of the Flash game websites. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically a reskinning of Bejeweled Blitz. Which I've never played. I've I've played briefly. It's yeah, it's bejeweled. <laughs> um, yeah, that exists. We're not going to cover it on the show. We just want to say we know about it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> don't worry. We're in the know. Yeah, we're not going to cover it on the show for a similar reason that we're not going to cover that Star Trek game on the show, which is that it is not developed by Telltale. That's really the hard line we're drawing if it also it's really hard to play flash games these days now that flash is dead we've done harder things for this show (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh there are barriers to entry of course it it very much feels like a telltale game in that it is difficult to access and (laughs) might or might not be erased from the internet very soon but (laughs) yeah it's in the it's in the spirit um but Sure, that game. Now we've uh, now we've acknowledged it. We paid it's our on, dues. 
it's on the uh, the script of the show. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was gonna try to make a joke about that, but nothing came to mind because I've never played it. I have uh, I have literally nothing to say about it other than wow that exists I suppose. Dustin, I wanted to talk to you briefly about arcs of this Ooh, show, of arcs. this podcast we're in right now. Let's talk about it. I feel that we are in arc two now. Yeah, because the first two episodes take place in the 1930s and are kind of their own thing. That kind of stems over to this one. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about arc, arc two of telling the tale. Oh, arc two of telling the tale. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the season. Okay, interesting. Um, I will never talk about the game. <laughs> I will never talk about Back to the Future. Uh, I feel like arc one was um, spiritual successor to LucasArts. That was the mm-hmm. arc one of this show. Okay. And during that, we got to talk about Sam and Max, some of the branching out they did with Bone and uh it, strong bad's cool game for attractive people we'll call the first csi game part of that uh this arc two I, i'm thinking of calling the road to the walking dead oh interesting yeah th- this I is like what arc two is all about uh it, it's a it's a transition away from being a spiritual successor to LucasArts. okay and a transition to this new kind of of game that's coming out. And it's going to have Back to the Future of the Game in it. It's going to have Jurassic Park in it. It's going to have The Walking Dead Season 1 in it. Wow. It should probably have Poker Night at the Inventory. Uh, yeah, I think so. And it's absolutely going to have another CSI game in it. Oh, boy. <laughs> at some I can't point. wait. Yeah, I've outlined arcs for the show. This is this is my way of telling you that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Your way of breaking the news to me. Yeah. Arc 3, after arc 2, is going to be potent pickups, at which point we'll go back throughout the whole history of Telltale Games and pick up some of the uh, important other series that we, we haven't gone through. Like Wallace and Gromit... Uh, Tales of Monkey Island. That's the one I can't wait to get to. That's the my Wolf Among Us Part One. Ooh. Uh, other seasons of The Walking Dead, and of course, more CSI. <laughs> and, we just can't get away from it. And Arc Four is what I'm currently calling the Dirge. Ooh. The Dirge is going to be about the end of Telltale including things that were uh, just right at the end, sort of telling the story about their uh, the, the end of their lifespan, talking about the last couple seasons of The Walking Dead, talking about um, seasons one and maybe two um, of Minecraft. Yeah, we'd like to do season two, but it's, it's, it's a little harder than yeah. <laughs> most other things. And, uh, of course, Batman, the the two Batman seasons. Those are part of the dirge. That's the end of the, going to be the end of our show. We're saving Batman for last? No, I think Walking Dead final season is going to be last. Okay, that works. Just because that one was actually on the cusp of them. Yeah, that was literally. They were halfway through it when. Yeah, 
Yeah. What um, a, I'm down for that. That's a good way to divide up this podcast. Well, we've got, and then one more after that, Arc 5, which is New Telltale, where Ooh. we've got Wolf Among Us 2 and The Expanse. <laughs> that's two whole games right there. Yeah, that's at least, that's probably going to be the shortest, uh, well, I don't know, maybe New Telltale goes on forever and makes a million games. That's true. Actually, there's a question for you. What if we stop this podcast before new games come out? Will, would we come back to this podcast every time a new Telltale game comes out? It depends. I think in 10 years, uh, America might be underground and we all just sort of live on <laughs> crust. That's so, true. I mean, you've seen what happens in this episode of Back to the Future. Who knows where we'll be? Yeah. So, you know, if we all have the same number of fingers and teeth then sure we could continue doing the podcast <laughs> uh if not you know who's to say yeah them's the breaks <laughs> yeah that we might be 50 years old <laughs> uh maybe hopefully we get there um i mean if you're looking for the gap between banjo tui and the next 3d platforming banjo game it's a it's over 20 years now so yeah it, if, if you're talking about the gap between any one entry in a video game series and the next, it could be also over 20 years. You have to be ready for that possibility. That's true. That's true. We could we be could 50 be, years old. <laughs> we could be grandpas talking about, oh, Telltale did a new one. I can't use that with that. <laughs> I can't shoot Max. Back to the Future, the game, episode three, Citizen Brown. Let's actually talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's about time. <laughs> yeah. That was episode one, Dustin. Oh, silly goose. I'm, I'm just being a silly. So you crash your car in the 1980s in a billboard in the sky and your girlfriend's down there and man, she's not happy with you. We've all been there. We've all been there. Uh... This character is visually unidentifiable. You would never have guessed who this is supposed to be. <laughs> uh, the face is not the same face. The aesthetic is not the same aesthetic. The, that part is on purpose because it's an alternate 1986. Uh, but this is Jennifer. Yeah. From, you know, from movies. Um. So... Adam, my roommate Adam, who we bring up every now and then, was watching me play this, and he did look it up. She is played by the actress who plays her in, uh, at, at least in, like, two. In, uh, I forget, she, was she in three? Yeah. It's been a long time. Okay. Yeah. The character I, was in all three of them, but th that actress Different was actress in two and three. three. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it sounds, she is portrayed by her actress, which is cool. Yeah, that, that is really cool. Um, I don't know if, I don't know how famous she was, uh, or is, I, um, I, I don't recognize her from other things. Yeah. But that's um, very cool they were able to get her. Yeah. I, I like when they can get them. I, I don't know to what extent, I only know a few characters are voiced by their regular movie actors. Christopher Lloyd, of course, uh, mm -hmm. Biff in the special edition. I don't know, like, to what extent other characters are, but it sounds like yeah. they got them where they could. Well, they clearly didn't get Crispin Glover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for good reason. Yeah. And Marty McFly is not Michael J. Fox. But, yeah, there's... 
I think if there's anything that this series is really relying on, it's legitimacy and authenticity. Mm-hmm. Just how much it feels like a very legitimate... Everyone's on board. All the people that, that really matter in terms of like uh, creative authority, continuity, are on board with this game. It feels like the movies. Yeah. And uh, just like the movies, you go back to, just like movie number two, you go back to 1980, or the mid-1980s, and it's just not the same. You did something in the past, you messed it up. Way to go, Marty. Yeah, way to go, Bart. Uh, (laughs) it, It turns out the way you messed it up this time was Doc Brown in 1931 was supposed to go see Frankenstein in the theaters. And that was supposed to compound on top of his love of Jules Verne's fiction to inspire him to become a scientist and really drive into that passion and push it further than anyone else, I guess, ever had done. But because of the context in which you saved the day in 1931, Doc Brown ends up marrying Edna Strickland. Oh, uh, a fate worse than death. So, we were uh, we we were kind of talking about this last episode about why the future would be different, and I th- I think we did touch on the correct answer, which is Edna Strickland used her influence over her now husband Emmett Brown to convince him to use his scientific advancements for the monitoring of people and enforcement of certain uh, moral things that she considers important. Yeah, she she put him down the wrong path. Yeah. Uh, he's still doing science, clearly. He's still making inventions and things. Uh, but it's it's all for a very specific purpose of making this police state-like town out of Hill Valley. There's cameras everywhere. Gum isn't allowed. Uh, dogs aren't allowed. You can't wear certain clothes on certain days. Yeah, it's Hawaiian uh, it, Shirt Friday. Yeah, Hawaiian Shirt Friday is coming up, so they're keeping it fun. But <laughs> if you don't like Hawaiian Shirt Friday, the consequences seem to be drastic. Well, maybe not, because Marty never really, like... People are just kind of like, ah, you're not wearing your polo, hmm. Well, he was about to get into big trouble. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so, you're stuck in the car, because you crashed it into the billboard. Uh, and you're talking to Jennifer, who's down there on the street picking up trash for community service. And you're like, hey, Jennifer! Uh, can you get me out of the, the car? <laughs> and she's like, uh, actually, Marty McFly... You're the biggest nerd I've ever seen in my life. You stupid doofus. You stupid doofus. You, you have absolute that... sack. <laughs> you don't you don't go around skateboarding. You go around studying and you don't play the guitar. You play the ukulele and <laughs> things that I've decided are not cool. <laughs> my pocket protector. Yeah, I feel a little bit I I feel a little bit unsettled about the implications of the ukulele being a very nerdy instrument i don't know about that there's yeah, worse it's, picks it's, out there i'd say the ukulele has come like really into fashion within the last like decade or so yeah especially at your apartment yeah that's true <laughs> i know a thing or two about how popular it is 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. They could have done... What could they have done? Dulcimer? Is the dulcimer um, a nerdy instrument? I would think so. That's a weird name. Bagpipes? Bagpipes would have been the one. Yeah. I think. Um, um, and it's it's weird because, like, I feel like anyone who looks at this version of Marty would not say, oh, this guy's a total nerd sack. Because Marty still has, like, the cool guy look going on. I, well, I would he's be... wearing that life protector. Uh, that's, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, depending on what era he's in, everyone has words about that. Um, yeah i i guess maybe in this universe maybe he just looks the exact same but he just does the really nerdy stuff they say he does like they they call him like the president of the uh um junior brown scouts or whatever yeah he's he's like a mathlete and he does all that kind of stuff and um he he's like a, a moral authority within the town and apparently he and Jennifer did go on a couple of dates, but this Jennifer's a super like rebel chick who is graffitiing all over the town and, and just doing all the rebellious teenage stuff teenagers do. And Marty apparently, this universe is Marty, told her that like, oh, you're going down the wrong path. You're a bad influence on me. And she got now, rightfully Jennifer. pretty mad about that. Yeah. Um, it's weird that she would even go out with him at all if he's like that in this universe. But she does, at one point she does say, sure, you're kind of cute. So maybe she wanted to just give him a chance to prove he's not so square and it didn't work out. Yeah, but with, <laughs> with everything that people are saying Marty did in the past, it's, it's very clear, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you shouldn't have even been talking to this guy this guy sucks yeah the, <laughs> this guy's the worst this guy it does not match and like i feel like at least around the rest of the town you know marty is kind of considered like he's considered a pretty good citizen but not to these uh non-conformists yeah that that's true uh so eventually you convince jennifer to give you a tire iron and that you can use to uh break the windows of the delorean and jump out of the car and then you realize that you're outside the gates of the town and the gates are tall and thick and exist which is different just the um, way i like them yeah i love my gates extant <laughs> and uh, i like my he... gates tall thick and existing <laughs> He he can't get through it. It, it seems like the uh, the boundaries of the town are a lot less permeable than before, and uh, you you do some puzzles to get in there. And once you get in there, it's it's very depressing. It's it's Hill Valley on 1984 mode where no one's having any sort of fun or hanging out or or doing well, anything or even eating well, food. <laughs> let me let me correct you on that one, Mitch. It's actually 1986. Okay. 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 <laughs> uh, gotcha. Um. Also, last episode, I guessed that the name Citizen Brown was a reference to the movie Citizen Kane. It is not. Not in uh, any way. No, it's not related to Citizen Kane. It is, however, very related to a Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Um. In the way that Biff has been 
rehabilitated, we'll say. <laughs> uh, this version, this universe's version of Biff is similar to all versions of Biff. Uh, a bad guy who, who's sort of a bully. He roughhouses. He, he d- breaks all the rules. But in this Hill Valley, they really go hard on him for that. <laughs> and uh, they invent something called the Citizen Plus program that is supposed to rehabilitate and educate members of society that are not pulling their weight like Biff. And by doing that, they're they're just brainwashing him. They, they just completely brainwash Biff yeah. to the point where if he even thinks about doing something that's against Edna's rules, he'll become so sick that he throws up. I feel bad for Biff in this episode. He, he, like, he, what they said he was doing is really not that bad. It's not like he was the total asshole he was before. He was just saying, no, I like drinking. I, li- I like looking at girly mags. I like dogs. Yeah, <laughs> existing with dogs is a, a, <laughs> one of the worst crimes. <laughs> I guess um, that's true. You've seen what dogs can lead to. Have you seen A Clockwork Orange? No, I want to sometime though. I I it gets referenced all the time and I always it's on HBO Max and anytime I scroll by it I think I should sit down and give that a shot. I watched it for the first time on HBO Max a couple months ago. Wow, how did you like it? I thought it was hard to watch, but also it it was it like I see why people reference it all the time. Okay. Um <laughs> That said nothing about its quality. Uh, it it you know it's it's a very well made movie. Uh, it's but it's like you said, it's just hard. It's to watch. hard to watch. It's it's a Kubrick movie. You know, there's a lot of yeah. uh, audience friction in there by design. So mm. I can't say it was a good time, but I do recommend it. <laughs> awesome! I'll give it a shot sometime. But the idea of brainwashing the public to become physically ill when they even contemplate doing something they're not supposed to do is straight out of a Clockwork Orange. Um, right. Th- that's that's the uh, the plot of the movie at least halfway through, and Biff is trying to sell this thing that happened to him as a good thing that everyone else should go and do. Mm-hmm. And uh, sign it, up it's for Citizen Pretty depressing. Plus. I I do I agree. I feel bad for Biff here. Yeah, like he's he seems like a he he even has a line in this episode. He says, uh, "I don't need to be happy. I'm content." Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, good for you, Biff, I guess. <laughs> um anyway, from Biff you found out that like the three big things that get you a lot of demerits, and you can get demerits for basically anything. There's other things in the game that you can get demerits for, but they're not enough. Um are public displays of affection, having Ooh. dogs, and what's the other one? Uh Oh, uh, possessing contraband of yeah. any kind, and in this Such case, as alcohol. <laughs> yeah, uh, you meet up with your mom, who in this universe has a drinking problem. This has not been observed in other universes uh, so far in the series, but Marty McFly's mom, Lorraine McFly, does have a drinking problem in Alt Alt, nineteen eighty six, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you have to steal her booze, plant it on yourself, and then get caught in order to get demerits. For I guess it's for better that. you than her. 
I guess. I don't know. It's bad for us. Yeah. Um, well, it gets us what we want in this yeah, episode. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and you're talking with your dad, and your dad is, like, monitoring her all the time and watching her and saying, like, hey, uh, uh, can you, like, talk to her and get her to admit that she's drinking? And your dad sucks in this universe. Yeah. He's not yeah, great. He's the worst. He's, yeah. He's, like, a, a full... He's going even further than being a narc because he's trying to, like, get people to admit to it that weren't even going to be a problem. Yeah, uh, and, and like, he... he When talking to your mom, this you're kind of talking about... She's thinking about maybe signing up for the Citizen Plus program, which is not good. Um, and I feel like this probably would have uh, pushed someone over the edge. Because yeah. remember, Biff was forced to do this. Like, he, he didn't choose to. I feel like if... Uh, I feel like if George narked on her to uh the higher ups uh she probably would have been forced to do the same yeah probably she's just just drinking is probably not as bad as what biff was doing so it might not have been as extreme Mm -hmm. but yeah that's a really depressing thought it's not Um, great dogs that one's easy you find einstein around he's in this universe he he was ejected from the delorean somehow when it came back to 1986 um and you can uh get him around edna who is old now again and (laughs) by doing that you can get uh her to give you demerits for that and public displays of affection is probably the most difficult one you need to get jennifer back in love with you which is difficult because she thinks you suck, and she also, in some different ways, sucks a little bit too. Uh, and you, you, she's dating. What's this guy's name? I didn't write it down. Was Leech? it like Leech? Yeah. yeah. Is he Le- from one of the movies? I don't believe so. He just, he's just new. I don't think he's come up before now, but they treat him like you're supposed to know him. Yeah, he might have been one of like Biff's guys, Biff's Maybe. ensemble. Um, mm. but that doesn't make sense because Biff's an adult in this time period. Yeah. Um, maybe Leech is, I don't think he, they, he, they would give Biff a son that we don't know about, right? I don't think so. And they didn't really, that's, that is interesting that you say that though, because there was a character cut from this that would have been, I believe Biff's daughter, uh, Tiff Tannen. Who was kind of kind of like Jennifer here? She was a punk ass uh, rebel, uh, spawn of the punk ass rebel. But she was cut from this. But she is still in the comic based on this. Hmm. Interesting. From like this episode three, or just yeah, in, I, in I guess story I guess it point? I guess it was just a comic. Yeah, she was cut from this specific episode, episode three. Hmm. Okay. There's a couple cut characters. I'll get into the other one a little later. Neat. Um. But you need to challenge Leech to a guitar off where you uh, don't play guitar very well at all. And it's more about dancing in a way that makes the other person mimic you. But if they do the moves you do, they fall into a garbage can. Uh, which is <laughs> that those are the nice. rules. Those are the rules. If you fall into garbage, you lose the guitar off. Yeah, sorry. I don't make the rules. That's just how it's been. Upon winning the guitar off, 
Jennifer breaks up with her boyfriend to be with you. That's uh, all it took. Yeah, and Marty is feeling good about that. Marty, I don't know if I'd feel good about that. <laughs> I think I would. This guy sucked. He was he he wasn't cool. Yeah, but, but now you're dating someone who flies at the whim of whoever wins at a guitar off. Yeah, I mean that's true. And well, respects cheating at said guitar off. Well, here's the thing. Remember, they had already <laughs> dated. They had already been dating. So I wonder if she was just looking for an excuse to not think Marty was such a shithead. Okay. Um, so she probably still had some sort of feelings for him, but was like, I can't be with such a loser. That's fair. Uh, That's but fair. then you proved, no, I'm not a loser. I got cool guitar. I don't fall into garbage. I don't even fall into garbage a little bit. Um, this guy fell in a lot i don't even a little while you're doing all this stuff you can go home and talk to your dad who's in the the garage and he's got all these monitors where he's hacking into all of the cameras around town uh but not for nefarious purposes or even to be cool he's doing it to make a promotional video for citizen brown uh and for hill valley right and the way he's just, like, watching everyone doing things and giving people demerits when he can see them doing bad stuff is pretty gross. He's a peeping Tom. Yeah, I'll go out of order here, and I'll tell you my unweekly guy right now. It's <laughs> it's George McFly. Yep, I did too. As soon as, even just from this part, I was like, well, here's our unweekly guy for the week. Yeah, Crispin Glover smelled this episode of a video game 30 years later coming, and that's why he's not <laughs> in Back to the Future 2 or 3. He was like, whoa, no thank you. I did not like the way they handled him in, in Back to the Future video game. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got his eye on the prize, and the prize is 2011 video games that he couldn't possibly predict <laughs> in the same year that the NES Metroid came out. <laughs> He uh, took one look at Metroid and said, this is a bad omen. Yeah, I, I see how this is going for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you, you talk to your dad and um, he's just gross and I don't like it. Can uh, <laughs> I just say, I gotta be honest, I didn't really like any of these puzzles. I felt yeah. like I, I, I felt like... I didn't. I felt like the clues they kind of give you to for what you're supposed to do don't really this might have just been on me maybe i was just not in a right headspace for it but i felt like what they were trying to hint at me doing was not the way you would do these like here you see on the monitors george is watching his wife i thought the monitors had something to do with getting her to give you the flask but no you don't do that at all you just have to move the statue and spin it to block his camera i was like oh okay well because a lot of his monitors have camera, they, they show like that part, that area she's yeah. in. So I saw that and I was like, obviously the solution's got to be there. But no, it, it definitely was not. Um, I, I didn't have that particular tr trouble, but I do think there's a lot of stuff in this episode that um, it's asking you to think exactly like the designer's thinking. And yeah. if you don't, it just doesn't work out. Yeah. Um. I, I know we're I know we're talking about this episode, not necessarily our feelings on it just yet, but um, I just want to say I don't think this series is super gelling with me. 
so far. Well, I don't think it's let's like Let's get into bad. Our, our feelings on it, because I, I think okay. that's, that's interesting. Tell me more. There's just something about it where, like, I, I don't necessarily think it's bad or anything. Obviously, it's nowhere near, like, CSI levels. But I really just am not, like, that interested. Even going into this episode last week, I thought, oh, yeah, this is where the story is going to get really interesting and really cool. But I didn't even really feel that with this episode that much. You're still in Hill Valley. It's like a different version of Hill Valley, but it's still the same areas you've been in. Just, like, a different timeline. But it doesn't feel, like, that interesting. You just have, like, the same people walking around in polo shirts. You go back to the McFly residence. Uh, is that... I guess that's really it for this episode. You go in the alley again. You, there's the alley. There's the town. There's the McFly house. You really do not go anywhere different in this episode. Yeah, the the locations, I will say, are pretty limited in this series. Um, yeah. Much more so than Sam and Max. Like, Sam and Max is built around the street the same way that this game is built around Hill Valley, uh, like, square. I would say more so even, because you don't even really leave this square that much at least in sam and max you're going into like wildly different locations every episode um and i also like going into this episode i thought oh this is going to be this uh super crazy they can do a lot with this kind of dystopian future thing with uh with uh dr brown uh but honestly i feel like they don't push it that far like you get what they're going for but there's barely anyone around. It doesn't look like incredibly crazily different. I feel like they really could have pushed this a lot farther than they ended up doing. Like really go dystopian. Like, oh shit, we really fucked up. Here it's like, yeah, it's not a good future, but it's like, okay, so I'll get a demerit for chewing gum. Like Jennifer's spray painting a building. Obviously, like you can still do stuff and it's just here. I kind of got the impression that uh, Doc was going to, like, rule the world in this future. And this this is probably on me just for getting my hopes up um, rather than what the episode ended up being. But I don't know. I just don't feel like it's really going anywhere super interesting. I, I feel like this episode is probably the most interesting of them so far. But even then, I'm just thinking, I feel like they could have really pushed it farther than they did. And maybe they do later. But we're three episodes in. I just feel like I'm not that... It, it just hasn't grabbed me that much. And I, I'm still enjoying my time with it, but maybe it's just since we just played Sam and Max Season 3, which really goes to crazy places and is pushing what they're doing with the series. But this just feels... I don't want to necessarily say it's safe, because I don't think making a quote-unquote Back to the Future 4 is a safe thing to do. But I don't know, it's just not, it's not wowing me. And I want to be wowed by this. This whole time I'm playing it, I'm like, I wish I was enjoying this more than I am. Wow, that that's very interesting. Um, yeah, sorry, that, I talked a lot. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's fine. Um, I feel, I feel similar in some ways. Okay. N- not all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will say, I do think this is my favorite episode of the season so far? Yeah, I, I did say I think it's probably the most interesting one. I, um, I just think for the potential of what I, I was kind of visualizing it was going to be, 
it didn't really hit that. And that is probably on me rather than the game itself. But, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we'll get to how this episode ends and how it progresses after you get the demerits. Because the demerits are only like the first half of the episode. Yeah. But um, I think from this point on, I actually know how the rest of the season is going to go. Um, okay. At least broad strokes. I can kind of get a general idea. Yeah. I I think that a... a well, I, I don't want to guess before we're, we're talking about this stuff. I don't want to go too out of order here. But... N- Ver- that that's interesting because that versus last episode when last episode ended i thought like oh this can go anywhere and we're still three episodes out from the end so we can go to so many different time periods and i no longer feel that we're going to do that yeah um, we're I, gonna be- stay here in hill valley i i get the impression that we're probably going to be going back to a time period we already had been yeah, I think that we're... Yeah, well, I'll just say it. We're going to go back to 1931, probably. Um, yeah. For a third it... time. And <laughs> I I think that the way this series, in addition to the movies, sort of goes back to the same time multiple times in order to thread the needle through certain events and cross over with yourself crossing over onto the past is cool and is maybe the whole appeal of the series um so i'm I'm not against that i do think going back to 1931 is is probably a good move but it does make the series feel smaller than what it could have been it doesn't feel like yeah the big sort of epics that the movies are mm-hmm. uh, it feels it feels much more like an epilogue than four yeah, and... it, it feels like a smaller story in the Back to the Future canon. Right, yeah, it, it does. Um, I do like, I, I will say, I like how much 1931 is getting developed. You don't go there in this episode. You only go to alt-1986 in this episode. But um, just really fleshing out that world and that cast of characters... Uh, maybe makes it on the way to feeling how 1885 or 2015 felt in the movies. Uh, I, I don't think it's got uh, anywhere near enough power uh, to feel like how the movies felt in 1955 or 1985, mm-hmm. but it, it it's approaching those other like tertiary time periods from the movies uh, yeah. pretty quickly. I like and, that about it, but I, yeah. I totally see what you mean as well. There is, I, I guess it's just like a big why. Like you've got all <laughs> these people involved to do something very difficult to do. Uh, and you seem to actually be nailing making it feel like Back to the Future. It doesn't feel wrong. It doesn't feel illegitimate. Yeah. And like why are we going through the story though? Like why is this better than leading just leaving the story at the end of Back to the Future Part 3 where Doc has a family on a time traveling train and just leaves? Yeah, um, exactly. And and like I don't want to sound like I'm absolutely dreading this game cuz I do like it. I it just I wish I liked it more. I always wish I liked everything more, but I see what you mean. <laughs> Um, y- yeah, I, I don't think it's worse 
than leaving the series on the end of Back to the Future Part 3. I don't think it's making it worse or anything, which it easily could have. um, But I'm I'm not sure yet why this is better. Um, Exploring Doc's entire life, I guess, is I, I think the... The motivation here of seeing him when he's young, seeing a relationship he could have had, seeing an alternate version of Doc. Because the movies didn't really focus on Doc that much. They focused on the McFlies Mm -hmm. and Biff. Uh, So putting the spotlight on Doc's life sort of uh, answers a lot of questions there. And I I can see why that is exciting. Um, Yeah. But I'm, I'm just not sure it's landing in the way that I would have liked it to. Yeah, there's there's just little things where I'm like, this could have probably been more enjoyable. Or this could have been done better. But I'm still glad it exists. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, the point about the demerits not meaning anything, I do disagree with. Um, because if you get enough demerits, you get sent to Citizen Brown. That's the next part mm-hmm. of the story. You get sent to Citizen Brown, and he interviews you uh, like a psychological examination, and you get to meet him. He has no memory of the adventures you went on. This is a completely alternate universe, Doc Brown. Yeah, I, who... I will say, I think this part of the episode is very interesting. I, yeah. th- I think it. I think it's neat that, like, Marty's always had Doc be there to bail him out of these situations. He's always had, even if it was like 1950s Doc... It, it was more or less the same Doc who was, like, there to help him get out of these crazy scenarios. Here, he's, Doc isn't here to... Doc's more of an antagonist in this timeline. And so yeah. Marty Marty kind of needs to figure things out himself. Uh, that, I thought, was an interesting way to go about it. Through this conversation, it's revealed that Doc Brown, or not Doc, Citizen Brown, feels that everything he's done for the community is actually genuinely good he seems to have good intentions and any um any discontent among the citizens of hill valley has seemingly been shielded from him he doesn't think anyone doesn't like it he thinks he's doing a good thing for everyone yeah he Um, thinks he's he thinks he's the savior the world needs yeah and from this, it's revealed that Edna has been the one um, delaying Citizen Brown from seeing the tapes that would have revealed people talking about how much they hate this town. Um, like, everyone hates it, and he doesn't know that. And uh-huh. you telling him that just breaks his mind. <laughs> <laughs> he gets real sad. Yeah. You also prove to him by... Uh, telling him things only 1931 Emmett Brown would know. And also uh, when Citizen Brown shows you a picture of him in 1931, you're in the background of it. <laughs> That's creepy. Imagine seeing that. Yeah. Ima- and that <laughs> Imagine one... <laughs> having a photo and, and having someone be like, look, that's me in that photo. And you're like, oh, that one pretty much breaks him. <laughs> that yeah. one, he can't handle it. Um, so after that point, he just says, okay, leave. And I think if he didn't say that, he would have immediately started you on Citizen Plus, which mm-hmm. we learned from this next uh, segment is not just brainwashing, it's complete brain control. Uh, we find that 
your dad's tapes that he's recorded from the monitors that expresses everyone's discontent have been stolen and his equipment's been ruined. (laughs) So you've got to find the tapes. Yeah, I I love part of this scene. Uh, And I'll let you explain before I say what part I love. Sorry, no, 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 you go ahead. So we find out through the monitors through since uh since he's recording so much footage he has a camera recording his location so you can look back and see who it is who hit him with the bat and knocked him out it turns out it was biff um, yeah and my favorite part is that he like gently taps george with the bat and he just goes <laughs> yeah. down he like goes doink and that's it it's not even like the tip of the bat. It's right next to his hand where he's holding it. <laughs> so yeah. it just, he sort of bunts George McFly. <laughs> just enough to knock out a wimp like George. Yeah. Um, and you can tell once you meet up with Biff, even though you just saw him on the tapes doing it, he actually has no memory of doing this. Uh, his watch completely controls him. Edna has remote control over Biff, uh, which which makes me feel like the, the demerits are actually a pretty bad thing to have. If you have the demerits, uh, you might be on your way to becoming Citizen Plus, where your, com- your complete bodily agency could be removed from you with a remote control attached to your watch. Um that's true. I guess Jennifer just gets away with the shit she does because she's uh, the police, uh, the police chief's daughter. And yeah, her so dad's a cop, mm-hmm. so she just she can just do all that stuff um, <laughs> and not have to worry about it. She's a little privileged. Yeah. We'll say that. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Let's be honest here. Um. So you find the tapes. They've been put down this decycling hole. Which is just a, a garbage can. I don't know why they were like, what's a decycling hole? Just, yeah, it's, it's not like it totally like breaks up what they're made of. No, it's, it's just it's, a place not, to go. <laughs> yeah, you, you can call that a chute. Or yeah, garbage can. <laughs> yeah. Um, all of the contraband, all the, the porn and the, the cigarettes and booze and... I dogs. guess dogs <laughs> are thrown down the decycling chute and uh, you realize that that is where Biff put the tape. So you go down there and then there's a boss fight down there where it's revealed that Edna has been controlling Biff and she's been the one behind everything, which is like, yeah, of course. Um, I don't really like this part either. I don't think you don't Biff- like this part. Well, I kind I kind of like I think it's funny making uh Biff give in to his vices, but the part where Biff attacks you feels a little forced to me. Like you helped him out. Yeah, do you want to explain you were helping... the getting him into his vices situation? So, Edna commands uh our good friend Biff to take out the trash, which is you. Um but all surrounding them are all of the vices that got Biff in trouble in the first place. You kind of got to try to snap him out of it by being like, Hey, Biff, look, there's porn over there. Yeah. <laughs> and, he'll, and he'll be like, what? And, and like, and, and uh, you can be like, Hey, Biff, look, there's a dog. He'll be like, I love dogs. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's beer, porn and dogs. Uh, but also, you have to bring his attention to the license plates to 
say like, hey, she is that the license plate to your car? And that's what really snaps him out of it. I don't know how I feel about that because that wasn't brought up in the episode. It wasn't. Uh, I think it was. That's why your mom is driving a golf cart and everyone drives golf carts. There's no fast cars in the town. Yeah, but I mean, earlier when they're talking about the things that uh, got Biff into Citizen Plus, it was just the alcohol, the girly mags, and the dogs. Um, yeah, but I, I suppose his car was taken away with everyone else's car. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get the reasoning for it. It's I just feel like, especially when there's so much other stuff in the room that doesn't help. There's like candy and video games. You're like, hey, there's Wild Gunman. No, I guess that didn't work. But yeah. <laughs> but the license plates do work, even though that wasn't brought up as part of his whole thing when all the other ones are. It it, it That part, is it's like fine. It just feels slightly sloppy to me. Yeah, I guess they're pulling on the fact that Biff has always been a car guy. It's sort of in the yeah. background, but uh, in 1985, in the, the modern setting of the movies, Biff is a car mechanic. Like, that's yeah. his job. I, and, I just feel like yeah. I just feel like maybe they should have had Biff say something like, "Oh, they even took my car away. Can you believe it?" And then it, then you would have known like, "Okay, did they not? Did they definitely not?" I don't want to say they I don't remember him ever saying it, but I'm okay. going to be totally honest, this episode has a lot of dialogue. Like mm-hmm. to the point that I was getting a little like fed up with it like especially when you talk to your mom or your dad you have so many choices to be like oh what about this guy tell me what's up with this person there's like so much dialogue there and every time i'm like oh well i guess i better go through them if may i might need something in these in these dialogue trees i feel like they laid it on a little thick it that's true with this episode Uh, um and and normally i love dialogue that's my favorite part is hearing characters say fun stuff but this time I was kind of like, all right, just let me progress. So after this fight with Biff, you get free and it, it looks like it's not going to stick for very long. But then Citizen Brown enters the room and says, hey, Edna, did you really do all that stuff? That's so like that's like a little shitty girl. That's not cool. You should maybe have considered not doing that. Yeah, and... I would have maybe I would have maybe thought twice and then did, <laughs> picked the second one instead. Uh, so she sort of sulks away and she was like, "Didn't you want this?" And he's like, "No, <laughs> uh, uh, no, not like at all." And she seems sad, but now you've got him on your side. So you and uh, Citizen Brown. And you get Einstein out of the kennel, and Einstein are going to go, presumably, fix the DeLorean. And that is it. There's, like, another fight with Biff after that once he comes to, and he just gets mad at you. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's it's nothing really to write home about. You just got to get him in a spot and then use the panic button from the back of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's out. a... We find audio out audio friendly that... description, but yes, <laughs> you, you know the back. Press, of the you thing. just press the panic button from the back of the thing, you know. Um, <laughs> but then you find out that uh, Doc didn't get very far, um, and Edna is sitting in his chair. She's kind of uh, assumed direct control, and she's like, "Oh, he's being taken care of." Yeah. So that's the episode. It ends right there. And it gives you a little sneak peek of the next episode, which is called Double Visions. 
and uh, and and yeah so what we were saying earlier is that we can pretty much predict how this series will go i think this next episode double visions is all is going to be all about um making the delorean work again with emmett brown um and trying to go back to the past maybe you do go all the way back to 1931 in the next episode and then at some point you uh will go to the future again and it'll be all right except for one last thing and it's a box battle and then you do that and it's fine and (laughs) that's that's gonna be how the series ends yeah that makes sense i can't see it ending other ways it's this episode is so weird to think about because I do think this is the best one so far in this season, but I just feel like all my little problems with it are really kind of more apparent or kind of coming up to the surface a little more. So I'm I'm more frustrated with it than the other two, even though I think it's the best one so far. You know, I'm, I may say episode two is the best one. Um, I liked going back to 1931 the second time and seeing how we changed things and yeah. How that was important. And I liked going in the speakeasy. That was my favorite location so far. Yeah, that was neat. Um, I like that. And then yeah. this episode, I just feel like it doesn't really hit the highs that I was hoping it would. Like, the stakes... The stakes are high, don't get me wrong, but... I was going in thinking he was gonna, like, already rule the world, not just Hill Valley. Uh, mm. And, you know, that that's kind of the sinister plan, is it seems like they're gonna branch out and do Citizen Plus around the world rather than... Or at least across the country, and then presumably across the world. But yeah, I mean, it's it's so I my thoughts are so contradictory in this episode because it's like it is interesting, but just not interesting enough. I feel like. Sure, I hope. I guess my hope is for next episode to do to alt nineteen eighty six the same thing that episode two did to 1931 and Mm -hmm. expand on it a little bit further and show how your actions in this universe already have caused effects and, and you work on those. Um, I don't know how much of the next episode is going to be in 1986 still, but it, I guess I hope it's more to really explore this sort of dystopian Hill Valley further yeah uh, i think that could I'd, be I'd much rather that than going back to 1931 again which well, i think I you're wish... probably going to do both but yeah. the ratio of which one to which one could be a it, it could be something that makes or breaks the episode yeah yeah i'll say at this point that there's still room for the ending of this thing to be very interesting um, definitely i i just don't see how yet and i do feel like i see how it will end so that that's not i guess i'm not optimistic but i i'm not having a bad time with these these feel very these feel a little bit like telltale junk food yeah like i said before i'm still enjoying them enough yeah i i just kind of i remember people saying it was like really good and i'm not really getting that and and maybe it Maybe it picks up, or maybe I'm just inflating uh, people's opinions on it from back mm. in the day. Maybe even at the time, people were just like, yeah, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. I I, I just think... Um, 
I don't understand why it's not really hitting the same notes as Sam and Max. I mean, for one, it, it's yeah. just a different project than Sam and Max, so it, it can't be expected to be as good mm-hmm. or, or better or whatever. But it is the thing that these these universal games, Back to the Future and Jurassic Park, are the things that Telltale turned their major focus to after their focus was mostly on Sam and Max, Strong, Bad, and Monkey Island. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just wondering why, like, why isn't it at at least that level? Yeah. In, in it, terms it's... of writing strength. But uh, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's unfair. I, I Writing strength, and I just feel like they're not, maybe they're just not allowed to push it as far as they could something as, like, Sam and Max. Because, like, with Sam and Max, you go to hell, you go to Santa's workshop. Here, we're in the same location for all of these in different time periods, but... I'll be honest, I don't feel like they're... I mean, they're obviously different. Obviously, 1931 feels different than, like, this timeline, 1986. But I don't think it's, like, by that much. And I feel like it really should have. I, it, it feels like they're kind of afraid to go... To really push what they can do with these ideas, is how it feels to me. You, you know what I think they're coming up against? Hmm. Hill Valley is in California, and California is just not that old. Mm-hmm. So you can't go, you can't do, like, if you had a London set Back to the Future series, you could go to a different century every episode for, like, 15 episodes. Mm-hmm. And each one could still be interesting. Or, like, Rome or, or, or something like that, Tokyo. And in Back to the Future, you're in Hill Valley... The gold rush was in, like, the 1850s, mm-hmm. and 1885 is when they say Hill Valley was established. So, at that point, like, you're not going to go back any further than that, and that kind of limits your time periods, especially considering that you're saying modern day is 1985. So, you really only have 100 years to play around with in this time-traveling series. And you already did the 50s, and you already did modern day, you already did, like, an alt future, and you already did the very beginning. So this sort of middle ground between the very beginning and um, uh, uh, the 50s with the 30s is, I guess, the last place to go. I don't know where you would go after that. that Yeah. You would maybe just go to the future again, but, like, this time it's like a correct future which is boring <laughs> compared yeah. to what they did before i i guess it's just because like the back to the future despite its uh sci-fi ideas is more grounded in reality you can't just have like marty and doc go to hell and meet satan or whatever you, you kind of gotta stay within the lines a little bit but i just feel like if you're gonna do like a dystopian future you can really pushed that idea and they didn't and i wonder if part of it is because maybe since it is this big famous ip maybe they just weren't allowed to get that crazy and creative with it yeah that's that sounds that sounds right like Like, maybe universal was like whoa no you can't have doc brown like rule the world and enslave everybody and etc etc 
but you can have him, you know, be a little power hungry here in Hill Valley in 1986. Well, they they did invent the character of Edna Strickland for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's con- uh, connected to Vice Principal Strickland from the movies. Yeah. And so they, I, they had a little bit of wiggle room, I guess. Yeah, I like Edna, is, is yeah. what I'll say. As a villain, I, I have it written in my notes, Edna is a pretty good villain. Thanks, notes. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I remember that now. Yeah, I, I like her as a villain. She's She feels really gross, and she's um, cooperative enough back in 1931 to feel yeah. sort of friendly. But yeah, she feels still... like someone who's, like, realistic. It feels like someone who could exist, but then circumstances kind of made her views go out of control over the years. Yeah, and there's, like, these little hints back in 1931 of, like, oh, you're maybe not a good person. Like, altogether, <laughs> you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that just come out very subtly, and I, and I like that. And there, there's stuff like that that makes the the series feel um pretty pretty interesting as a choice but i'm still i'm still wondering like okay when is the reason that this is what they decided to do with this video game going to make sense yeah um and i hope maybe next episode yeah we still have two episodes left maybe they really stick the landing maybe they do yeah i i hope so one more thing I'm going to rag on this game for. I hate to sound like a <laughs> negative Nelly. Okay. Um, so recently, like within the last week, see, the season two remaster of Sam and Max came out. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to, you know, replay it all again, especially when I'm already playing this. But I did toy around with it a little bit. And I really like just how smooth it felt to control and like to select everything. And then going back to this, it felt very, very not as good. Like, what I interface feel like, are you using for controls? So since I'm playing on the Xbox, I'm just playing on the Xbox one. It's um, I'm just, you know, using the control stick to move around. But it does this weird thing where if you're moving in a direction, but then it changes camera angles you'll keep going in that direction rather than the direction you would think would make sense in that scene. Right. Like, if you hold left and you're, like, moving left, but then the camera changes to behind you, you'll keep moving in that direction rather than moving left in that scene. And that kind of throws me off and some. I'm like, whoa, wait, that's not... I shouldn't be moving like that. But the big thing for me is it feels like it's really hard... For you to, like... So you use the right stick to just latch onto a clickable item. But it feels like a lot of the time when I move the control stick to find... Or to move the cursor to the next item, it takes a lot of fiddling around to find, like, the exact item you want to hit. When you were trying to do those monitors, like, switching between each monitor and each VCR, it was it was grueling with this. Hmm. Um and I was just thinking, like, boy, I don't know if uh, they just really nailed it with those Sam and Max remasters, like, just tweaked how it worked or whatever. But it felt a lot more elegant than this does. And this is that's a remaster of a game that came out long before uh, Back to the Future. And, um, and I'm playing the remastered version of Back to the Future, even. So it, it just felt like 
it kind of feels like the game's fighting you at times to do what you want. Yeah, I think it's a little rough. Uh, with that thing about going the same direction, even though you're, the direction you're holding now would not make sense. Um, I do actually think that's the right thing to do because okay. the alternative is as soon as you enter a new area, you're even though you're holding the same direction, you just start suddenly start walking a different direction. I definitely might, get that. Yeah. I get where you're coming from. I don't know why, but every time it happens, it bothers me. Maybe it's just because that's not how I'm used to doing it with like Sam and Max or something, and it's just weirding me out. But I do get that that's probably what you'd rather... Because you, you want to keep your character walking towards what you want him walking towards. Um... But yeah, but I, I, I get what it you're just, saying because just... even I'm using a mouse and keyboard, and mm-hmm. um, they they do seem a little more confused about movement than the Sam and Max games did. Um, yeah. it it feels like they're at this point in their development somehow afraid of just doing a point and click movement option. Wouldn't that just work so much better? Yeah, but even in even in season three of Sam and Max, where they kind of changed up how you move your character, I, it still felt natural enough. I wasn't frustrated with it like I kind of am here. And mm-hmm. when I say I'm frustrated, I mean just like barely. It's not obviously it's not game breaking or anything. It's just kind of a thing where I'm like, eh, come yeah. on, come yeah. on, Marty. Let's get into our segments. Let's get into these segments. I'm sorry for ragging on this episode. I do think this is a good episode. I like this just, side of you. It doesn't come out very often. Yeah, I, I don't know why. It's just playing this. I was like, I want this to live up to its potential. And maybe it will. We'll see. I'm it's, hopeful. It's strange that this is what did it. Because this is so much better than CSI. It's so much better than yeah. Bone. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I guess maybe it's just because my hopes were kind of higher for this. Okay. Like... Yeah, I I had heard like oh Back to the Future that's really good, and so like I did I it wasn't like CSI or Bone where I was thinking oh well Bone's kind of primitive it was their first adventure games they were doing or CSI that's you know its whole thing yeah um, that's its whole <laughs> its whole deal is that it's bad it was pitched that way yeah they said look we're gonna make a game <laughs> but here's the twist it's not gonna be very good but. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's why it's really coming out with this. Is I, I was kind of led to believe that this was a really good Telltale game. And I'm just not really getting that. Especially after uh, The Devil's Playhouse. It's a totally fine Telltale game. I'm enjoying it fine. I feel like if I had played it before that, maybe I wouldn't be ragging on it as much as I am. Huh. Uh, but yeah, I, maybe I just had my hopes up too high. But it just feels very... It feels like a step back and a little standard to me. Okay. Well, Dustin, what's your potent pickup? My potent pickup. Um, it was a little hard to decide, but I settled on the guitar. Mine is your mom's booze. Oh, that's a good one. That would have been a good one, too. I just like that that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> that you can pick up and have. I'm just going to carry around my mom's booze for a little bit. Um, another one that I, I considered putting was the demerits, but es- specifically the demerits that you can get for just doing weird things around town. Uh, did you get any of these? Oh, can you get more demerits beyond just what you yeah. need? Oh, yeah, wow. Interesting. Sure. Tell me more about this. So if you're, if you're in like in the wrong place 
for too long, one of the monitors can look at you and say, like, hey, you're loitering. Here's a demerit for loitering. And uh, at one point, you can talk to the um, Jennifer's dad. And mm-hmm. if you do the right, I think it's like a dialogue option thing. He'll give you a demerit for not wearing the right clothes on that day. Oh, okay. And then you have those in your inventory. And Even though you don't need them. You don't need them, can't do anything with them. That's interesting. I, I like things like that that are just fun little bonus things. Yeah, if you tap the uh, the statue that swirls around before mm-hmm. you need to for the puzzle with your mom's booze, uh, <laughs> with your mom's booze, uh, the 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 nearby intercom thing will say hey don't touch the statue here's a <laughs> don't demerit. do that don't do that i don't like it when you do that <laughs> um yeah so you get a demerit for that too oh nice yeah um i didn't know that but you did remind me of something i wanted to bring up that i totally forgot so i have a friend who played through these a long time ago and he's you know read up on them and looked into them more than i have but he told me, uh, we already talked about the first cut character, who was uh, Tiff Tannen, but there was apparently another one they were considering who they cut. They were originally going to give uh, Doc Brown and Edna a son. Huh. They were originally going to have a kid, but they decided against it because they didn't like the idea of going back and totally rewriting him out of history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so I, I think they made the right choice. Yeah, you would have had to, like, kidnap this kid, and then he never sees his mom again. Yeah, he, he goes back in time, and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna make it so your new son just was never born. See ya. Yeah, he lives with Clara, and he's like, Clara, you're not my real mom. And <laughs> But yeah, he'd have a bad life. Yeah, you would. it would just be crazy for him. Yeah, I um, guess Tiff I don't, I don't know. is a similar deal. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they decided to cut her for the exact same thing. That's a whole character that just would not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes complete... I was just about to say, I don't know why they wrote Tiff Tannen out, but that yeah, it's exactly that same reason. That makes total sense. Good job, writers. Yeah, you made a good call. Yeah, I'm I guess proud the comic you. made a bad call, we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Oh, fun fact about the comic. They had to set it three months later in 1931 than they were going to because they found out Frankenstein wasn't out at that time. <laughs> That's funny. I I guess they made a good call on that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they thought that was important enough to change because that's, that's fun. Yeah, that's a little thing that, like, it doesn't really affect the story either way. I would never have told you Frankenstein wasn't out by then. But... I like that they decided, you know what? No, we need to be authentic. Yeah, it was 1931, just the wrong time of year, I guess. Yeah. Um, and and it doesn't months. affect it. Yeah, it doesn't affect anything. So that that's good. Uh, what's your golden moment, Dustin? Uh, My golden moment was the... Well, I was going to say the rock-off, but I think I'm just going to say when you meet Doc in this episode... The interaction between Marty and Doc in this episode I thought was very interesting. Just seeing like a totally different side of Doc. I think that's what makes this whole episode. I I have it exactly written down the same. The first conversation with Citizen Brown is my golden moment. It's a really good 
sort of uh, dialogue standoff between the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see a side of Marty you don't usually see as well then, who's genuinely really angry and frustrated at uh, Doc Brown. Yeah. He usually exactly. idolizes him. and uh, But now this is a whole different Doc. He kind of has to, he has to bare his teeth a little. Yeah, we still don't know why uh, high school junior would be best friends with a disgraced nuclear physicist. <laughs> we don't know why that's the case it like before Back to the Future Part 1. Mm-hmm. But we we know at least the trials and tribulations they've been with uh they've been through so far. And yeah, they're, they're good friends yeah. and he's getting mad and it it is emotionally affecting, I think. Something else I also really like is they know just how far to push Doc in this episode or Citizen yeah. Brown cuz like I feel like if you did make him, like, it, it would have been so easy to take him into the reins of making him unlikable. And it's like, well, why would I want Marty to save this guy rather than for his own benefit? But no, here, like, he's been misled. He's been kind of led down the wrong path. But he does genuinely think he's doing a good thing for everybody. You can tell uh, Doc is still a good person deep down. I, I think I think that was the right call. I totally agree. And it makes sense contextually as well that you'd go this route and not push him further because he's still based on the seed of Emmett Brown from 1931. Yeah. Uh, who we've seen exactly. is not a bad person. It would be very strange if that person just became very, very bad over time. Right. Um, and it and it makes sense more sense to do that with Edna, where it's like, who cares? She can she can be evil. She can be the villain. Who cares? I Dustin- I like Yes, go ahead. No, finish your thing. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I like that it's not necessarily... I mean, I guess he was kind of the main villain of the last two episodes, but I like that it's building up to not be a Tannen. That's like the main antagonist of this uh, game, it seems like. It seems like Edna is the one who's really going to be at the head of it all. And I like that. I, th- I think it's it sh- that shows that they are willing to stray a little bit, not totally stick within... Uh, the tropes of back to the future. Like yeah. you're, you're having the tannins there throughout the series, but now it's someone different in the, in the big main villain chair. I feel the same way. And I feel that you kind of have to do that because by the end of the first three movies, and then especially after dealing with kid tannin in the thirties, you thoroughly embarrass the tannin so much. <laughs> <laughs> that you like it would feel bad to take them down at this point as the main villain they're just so they're so embarrassed and even if it was like even if it was like satan tannin you'd yeah. be like oh geez i i know you're like the worst of the worst but i've already just done so much to hurt you guys yeah like you'd see hitler tannin and i'm like i'm gonna pass <laughs> that tannin. fool and throw him in some manure <laughs> and you're like come on <laughs> give him a break yeah stop stop <laughs> with the whole nazi thing and just don't, don't make me put you in the poop again <laughs> yeah just warn him just point at him look i'm gonna throw you in that in that big poo poo if you don't cut it out now biff i'm gonna throw now you in b- the poo poo <laughs> uh, can you imagine if this game was starring george mcfly that would be great i want that instead <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh dustin who's your weekly guy my weekly guy is Jennifer in this episode. I think my she weekly makes a guy very... is also Jennifer. 
she makes a very strong impression, but I also just feel like no one else really does. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel she's, like she's. Pretty I guess fun. I could have said Doc Brown, like, but he doesn't really even do that much in this episode. And I think Jennifer makes a strong. She's like the farthest aside from Doc Brown for seeing like what's changed in this world. You and also I, make I like out it. with her at one point in the episode. Which is yeah. a really weird vibe compared to everything we've seen in this podcast so far. Just, like, imagine Sam or Max making out with someone in the middle of an episode. Uh, uh, he did. Sam made out with Girl Stinky. Wait, when did that happen? In uh, Beyond, the Valley of, Beyond the Alley of the Dolls. When uh, they were... I don't remember uh, this. What was the exact circumstances? I forget, but, like, Girl Stinky pulls Sam in because she doesn't want Grandpa to know about Sal. The letter from S, she says, is from Sam. Oh. And she pulls him in and makes out and gives him a big smoocheroonie. Even even in the episode, we said it was weird. Did... <laughs> Maybe Man, you blocked I, I it out. I don't remember that for... at all. I might have. <laughs> <laughs> you said, I don't need to remember Sam making out with anyone. This This one feels more than that. Uh, and not just because I can't remember the other one, but also because uh, it's longer because it needs to happen while you do some other puzzle. Um, That's true. And it, it just feels like, oh, yeah, they, these people are dating. But like the 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 character they've given Jennifer in this episode feels uh, very unique in terms of a character that this w- would happen to. Mm-hmm. Um, especially within Telltale Games, so yeah, I think she's just on, on the uniqueness of the character alone. Jennifer is my weekly guy, and uh, yeah, she, yeah, she's all right. I'm I'm kind of upset that we're gonna be writing this rebellious version of Jennifer out of existence. Yeah, I like this one better. <laughs> yeah, I think that the Jennifer from the movies is fine, but they yeah, don't. She's, she doesn't do anything. She's not memorable. <laughs> No, she's not. You can watch she, the trilogy and forget she's in it every time. I did. I, I forgot <laughs> she was a thing for a while. Um, but yeah, I wish you could just pick and choose things from different timelines. Be like, well, this one's kind of better. Uh, let's let's go with this. <laughs> That'd be maybe that's how it goes. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, Marty is the master of all time. Yeah, and maybe like uh, the the end stinger of this whole season is going to be. Marty going back to regular 1986 and seeing Jennifer and she's like the old Jennifer and she's like, hey, Marty. And he's like, oh, hi. And then they walk away. But then as they walk away, you see that she's wearing like the weird shorts with the butt cut out that the rebel <laughs> Jennifer wears. And oh, shit. She's cool now. Uh, a little bit of coolness seeped in. Whoa. <laughs> a little bit of coolness. Um, I almost said for weekly. Go- I couldn't in all good consciousness say. I almost gave it to Marty's mom for being such a trooper against uh, George, <laughs> but that doesn't make her a weekly guy just because she's putting up with a lot of shit. That does yeah. make George the unweekly guy, though. Yeah, George is the aggressor there. Like it, it, it's just real rough seeing how some of the characters in this universe are. Um, yeah, and and like that's the point. Obviously, this is sure. not supposed to be a good future, but it, 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 even I would say he is like. Mm, no thanks yeah i don't necessarily 
buy that George McFly was this close to becoming this person mm-hmm. uh, who would just be so lame all the time. <laughs> at least not this lame. Like, he he was lame at one point, but never total spy narc lame. Well, he was lame as an uncool. This guy is yeah, bad. This, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, like, the, the lame as an uncool George laughed at the sitcom in Back to the Future <laughs> 1 in the funniest way I've ever seen anyone laugh at anything. Yeah, my dad, I told you, my dad still laughs like that sometimes. Like... <laughs> Like, not not because that's the way he laughs, just, you know, referencing the movie. I don't want uh, it to sound uh, like my uh, dad uh, is a... Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, I don't want it to sound like that's just the way my dad is. <laughs> uh, okay, I think that's the episode. Thank you, episode. Thanks, episode. Next episode, we'll be talking about Back to the Future of the Game, episode 4, Double Vision. So if you want to get a notification when that comes out, and trust me, you will... You can go ahead and subscribe to our feed wherever you can subscribe to a podcast. We're on pretty much everything. You can also rate us wherever you find us, and we'll appreciate that too. If you let me know you did that, I'll read your rating on the show if you like. You don't have to, but uh, that's something that can happen. Yeah, we will if you want. And you can use any name you want too, and we'll call you it. We'll say uh, uh, Killa386. Yeah, I don't even know what consonant that started with. <laughs> uh that's for them to decide uh dustin where can people find you people can find me on the internet <laughs> at twitter and instagram at amazing dj dustin you said that but, as if you were referencing an, another time we talked about the internet no okay i just think it i just think it's so cool that the, that we can go on the internet okay yeah <laughs> that's true uh yeah, I I think it's pretty crazy. Back in 1986, you couldn't do that. Back in 1931, you couldn't do that. True. But, <laughs> Mitch, where can they find you at? Internet. <laughs> the internet. You can go to twitter.com slash thewolffm. That's T-H-E-W-O-L-F-E-F-M to find me. I don't really do very much very often. Uh, <laughs> but That's okay, you're doing there. this podcast. Yeah, and, and that takes a lot out of you. It, it, you know, thanks, Dustin. It kind of does sometimes. Yeah, see, champ, I think you credit where it's due. Aw, oh, I'm shaking your hand right now, but you don't know that because yeah. you can't see me. <laughs> because you're invisible. Yeah, and until next time, see you later. Goodbye.